Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are here today not to have fun, but to have fun. Not to have fun, but to have fun. And do the news together, do the do the ideas together, do everything together. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP, Michael Rudnan. Before we take off, how is Ashley doing? Ashley is improving. The one thing that is concerning us is the use of her left hand. Luckily, she's right-handed, but you need both hands for both things. And while her feet and everything on the left side works, however weak, her hands, uh, she we're going to be work. She's going to be home for Christmas, and since she can't start therapy until next year because you know how things are filled up at the hospitals, etc. I will be going through therapy with my daughter. We're going to be going on walks. I'm going to be working out her fingers, making sure to stretch them so that she can get back use of them. We're going to be working hard as hell to bring her back. Therapy at home. Therapy at home until she can get back to Washington, D.C. after Christmas. Now she's going to be covering her face up very well. She's going to be wearing the hoodie, the, the face shields and everything because I told her, hey, since you have some issues with your hands, don't you think it's best for us to just come for, for, for mom? Because only one of us would be able to travel. Mom to go out there and be with you. And she said, no, I'm coming home. I have to get out of D.C. for a few few weeks because she's been there for years now. And she re- well, she came here last year as well. And, and she said, no, Dad, I understand COVID. I'm a med student. I know how to take care of myself. I'll be completely covered. I'm not going to change anything. And she convinced me, I said, okay, you win, you win, you win. So when we get here, we'll be working together and making sure all is good. Thank you so kindly for asking about my daughter. We are family. Posse, my posse, my posse. Look, guys, thank you very much for being here. Norman Reynolds, welcome aboard. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. All of us are here today. Um. The first subject I want to talk about today, actually, let me go ahead and bring the, the page in, and then I'll go to the subject, because this one was suggested by Michael Rudnan, and it's something that I kind of knew about before, because long time in Texas it happened, right? But I wanted to bring it up with a particular narrative today, where it comes to all the things that are going through our um, our issues right now. Uh, so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and tell us what the show is going to be about, and then we're going to go ahead and get busy. Mark Smith, good evening all. Actually, it's pretty evening out there in, in, I think you're in London or Scotland or one of those places. One of those countries, I mean, sorry. Well, Scotland and, and the UK, all one country. But I think, then Scotland just get, um, sort of become, a, 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 I think a, uh, in, the UK is becoming more republic. And I believe Scotland just got some more autonomy from uh, the UK. Tell me if I'm, I'm hitting all those numbers right, Mark Smith. I think that's what it was. Yeah, you're in London. Okay, great. Anyhow, uh, here is the subject for the day, my dear brothers and sisters. Title of the show is Trump robbing his supporters. No to Wall Street owning water, courtesy of Michael Rudnan. And... Randy Fricky talks independent voter takeover. That's the interview that I told you guys yesterday that I had with this person who wrote a book about um, the independent voter. And so I wanted to talk to him and hear. I know, you know, we, we spoke for a while, and I think you should enjoy that conversation as well. Scotland has its own parliament. No, yes, they do. Uh, anyhow, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Rudnan's subject. I need to bring that up real quick, like here. 
Where is it? Where is it? I want to bring that up because he found this article that I thought was very important. A lot of people don't know or understand how things, how the takeover begins, right? It it's usually happens very slowly. It happens very slowly. Welcome aboard, uh, Hope Bleaker. How are you doing today? Okay, here's here's the article that um that Rudnan sent. He said, Water futures set to join likes of gold and oil and trade on Wall Street for first time ever. And then it says the CME group is set to launch futures contracts tied to the spot price of water for the first time ever this week. The contracts will allow investors and farmers alike to bet on the future price of water. So what they're doing in effect is they're using the stock market. I, I call it all stock market, but they're using financial instruments to control, to, to price water based on supply and demand. Okay. That is what they're trying to do. But here's the kicker. We have been screwed by water so many times, right? We are surrounded by salt water. We have unlimited solar power. We have unlimited so many types of power that we re- there is really not a shortage of water. But the reason why corporations and the media and all these guys are trying to put in your head that there's something special about water that is scarce. Remember, something is only pricing, priced high in a capitalist society if it has a shortage. Because what happens is you have more people fighting over it and that way the cost goes up. But we are not only surrounded by ocean, more than three-fourths of the, the world is water. But we have water on the ground, we have water in the skies, we have water all over the place. So in effect, instead of making water some sort of a financial instrument, our government made water what it is, a right to all humanity. We will never ever talk about having to price water and have limited water. Let me give, let's give some examples. Right now we have Places like uh, Arizona that's desert and Nevada that's desert and all these places, right? And they talk about, they, they dam up the, the, the Colorado River and that river is actually shrinking, right? Because the ice packs and all these areas that, that fill Lake Powell and Lake Mead and all these things on the Colorado River, they are not as packed because of global warming, but that has not changed the amount of water in the world. So technically speaking, let, let, let's have a technical conversation here on socialization and, and, and uh, economics. Technically speaking, we don't have to talk about let's go ahead and move Phoenix because it's in a desert. Let's go ahead and move Las Vegas because uh, all the water that we're getting is coming from the ice packs that are, that are going away, etc. Right? We don't have to do any of that. We have enough water and enough energy that if we want to keep those places there, which I think we would because there's good growing, there are good growing conditions in Arizona and in, in, in Nevada and several areas in the plateaus, etc. We want to keep that. We can have with high unemployment that we've got, with a lot of people wanting to cross into the country, with our baby boomers that are getting too old, what we can always do is start building 
tunnels and canals that don't affect the environment, right? And take water to those places that we want to have water. We can do that. We can desalinate water in the Gulf. We can desalinate water in the Pacific. We can desalinate water in the, uh, in the uh, Atlantic. And then, of course, we have the Great Lakes, but we don't really want to touch the pristine Great Lakes. They've become pristine again. But there's an abundance of water that is begging for public input, for us to invest in it. And it's not lar- these are not large investments. Building these canals over, over time. It's not huge investments, right? Let's give an example. Uh, the parts of growing California is closer to the ocean than is Phoenix. But they both depend, let's say, on the Colorado River, right? So give most of the water to Colorado and go ahead and use the desalination plants in the beginning from on the coast. There is so much that we can do. But you know why we don't do it? Because that article that Michael Rodnan just sent me, These guys see a way that they can use water and turn it into yet one other financial instrument. In other words, if we try to say we're going to build canals, we're going to build tunnels where canals would affect the environment, we're going to build these things, which gives us jobs, gives us water, and gives us more control of our territory, right? Instead of doing that, we allow the markets to work, the capital markets work. And the capital markets only work if there is scarcity. And that's what they've been doing. They've been doing this with water for a long time. They've been allowing the water to be polluted. They don't care if the water is polluted. And you have to understand that. It is in the capitalist's best interest to have water pollution. Because if you have water pollution... If you have shortages of water that can be drunk, water that you can use to wash, water that you can use to plant your crop, it then becomes a financial instrument and something of value to sell. So Nigeria, a fairly poor country for most, instead of building desalination plants, instead of building potable water plants, they have all the French companies and the Nestle's and, the, and, and all these other guys coming in with bottled water, giving them water in plastic containers that then pollute their environment, which then creates more bad water, bad fish, and all these things. And that creates a shortage of those things as well. So then we have a new item. We have fish farms. But you know what? These are things that we have to understand, right? The scarcity nature of things, we have to understand that. So let me kind of uh, uh, give, give a little pause here. Let's get more people to uh, those of us who kind of lost it to rejoin, 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 rejoin. Because, folks, it, this, is, this is a subject that we have to cover, and it's a subject that we have to cover well. So, folks, welcome back to Politics Done Right. Let me see. I think I think we are all... I, I think I got most of it back right now. I think I've got... Paul Fleming. Paul, did you send a, did you send a lightning strike to really hit uh, Politics Done Right? Is that what happened, my brother? Is that what happened? I don't know. Bridge, YouTube, okay. Yeah, they, it's actually kept the... The, the, the same you too. Let's all go. All right, let's 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 get busy. So for those of you who are talking about the um about water now, so as, as I was mentioning about water before, we have to st- we have to start looking at things 
from several different levels of indirection, right? Because what happens is they make things look like things are the way they should be, right? And that is what we have to get around. But anyhow, let's go ahead and uh, uh, but beforehand, beforehand, I want to tie making water scarce is a way to increase its value, even though it's not really scarce. It was just like how we had reached peak oil long time ago, and that's the reason why oil prices are high. And suddenly we get a pandemic or we get these, these different shocks, and you see how quickly the price of oil goes down. Look, it's all about uh, price and power, and I, I played that video that I did on price and power with you guys before. It's all about price and power and how these guys create scarcities for price and power. Wars create scarcities. Pollution creates scarcities. All these negative things produce scarcities because they do harm to us, and we want to alleviate ourselves from the harm, and the capitalist is there ready to make a product for a destruction that they themselves cause. It is them who have the plastics in the oceans. It is them who have the polluted water. It is them who, all these things are created. And, you know, some people might say, oh, that, that, but they didn't do it on purpose. Oh, really now? They didn't do it on purpose, eh? Let me tell you, if you don't believe they did a lot of these things on purpose, I have something, I have a a bridge to sell you. But look, uh, it, it is important that we get these concepts, but I want to tie that concept into something else. Because it goes into healthcare as well, right? They make health. They talk about healthcare being scarce. How do you make healthcare scarce? You make sure that th- my daughter is in med school. My daughter, uh, when she gets out, is going to be half a million dollars in debt, even though I paid her entire undergrad degree, and I still help her with, uh, you know, with certain things there in in DC. But her ultimate university, it said, is very expensive. She's going to be close to a half a million in debt when she gets out. You make you, you you create these type of you create a shortage of doctors, then you create a shortage of hospitals, you create a shortage of all these things, and then you can price at will. Now the real thing to do is to really have the government, we the people, look at the people who can become doctors and are willing to do so, educate them, and after we educate them, they serve as doctors making a darn good salary. And they don't have to worry about all the expenses that come with paying high interest loans back to the people, the corporate structure. If, if we start looking at things that way, healthcare would be different. Uh, as, as Bill Moore would say, you know, Bill Moore would come out right there and tell you, healthcare is really nothing more than, a, than sick care, another way to make money off of your bad fortune. So you take a look at all the things that we make money off of, right? It is always good to make money off of things that hurt human beings because human beings are trying not to be hurt. So if we can dirty up your water, if we can make you sick, if we can do all these things, then have I got a cure for you that you are going to have to buy. And that's what it's all about. We have to understand. We have to understand how the system really, really works. Okay, um, the Rachel Maddow stuff that I was going to show on, I'm going to put that off until tomorrow because I want to play our interview today. And if I don't put it off until tomorrow, that's going to run into that time and we're going to have a, a time issue uh, if, if I do that. So what I want to do here is, first, uh, for those of you that are on YouTube, I want to invite you to subscribe to my channel. 
uh, whether you're on YouTube or anywhere, please go ahead and click subscribe button. It doesn't cost you a penny to subscribe to uh, either YouTube. And likewise, uh, uh, Twitter, please go to Twitter. It's twitter.com slash Egberto Willis, twitter.com slash Egberto Willis. So please subscribe to our Twitter. Please subscribe to our, face, our, our Facebook page. That's just liking our Politics Done Right page. And please also go ahead and uh, sub, uh, and and so I, let me give you three things. Subscribe to our, our YouTube page. That way, when we have things out, you get notified. Uh, but you have, to, you have to enable notification. And we put out about uh, three to five videos every day. Uh, go ahead and subscribe or, 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 or uh, what do you call it? Link, like our Twitter. How do you say again? Subscribe to our Twitter. And likewise, please go ahead and like our page. Now, if you like what we do and you see the importance in what we do, which what we do is try to give progressive information throughout the internet. We supply a lot of the internet with this information. Why? To counteract what the right is doing. The right is spending hundreds of millions of dollars to put that out there. And what we do is we do our part to make sure that our point of view is also placed in the strata. And since we know that our policies are better, when people read the policies that we support, more than likely, they will gravitate towards us. Now, the other thing, the other ask that I have of you, I have several asks every day for two minutes. The other ask that I have for you, so please consider getting my book. It's worth it. How to Talk to Your Right-Wing uh, Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. It's, it's, uh, it, the book has good reviews. And I have other books that I have on, at Amazon as well. As I see it, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom. And if you want to, uh, to take out the middleman, if you don't want to supply, support the middleman, you can go directly to our store and go to politicsunright.com store. That is politicsunright.com store. Uh, you can join YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, just click the join button, please, and, and, and support us. That way, we can continue doing what we do. Populate the internet. Write our articles that we write all over the internet to make sure our point of view gets across. If you're not on YouTube right now and can't join, you, that's the link right there, politicsunright.com slash YouTube. politicsunright.com slash YouTube. Click on that. You can join as well. And, of course, we take support via Patreon. Uh, that is politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon, as well as PayPal. And we have uh, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. And I want to thank all of you who are already supporters. A lot of you that are in the room right now are supporters. And even some of our, our good conservative uh, right-wingers are supporters. I, I don't want to call his name out right now, but yesterday... He gave us a, a, a great, uh, great uh, PayPal support. If he gives me permission to call him out later on, I will. But um, I want to thank you. You know who you are, Mr. Uh, my, my brother, right-wing supporter here. Thank you for supporting Politics Done Right as well. So go ahead and click that Join button. And if you click it now, we'll, we'll, we'll go for it. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get our interview. I'll do the Rachel Maddow stuff tomorrow because uh, with all the stuff that happened, it, it kind of messed us up. So let's go ahead and do... Uh, Randy Fridge. Let's go. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. I'm here with Randy Freak. Is that how you say your name? Real close. Freaky. I pronounce the E on the end. You, you pronounce the E at the end. Randy Freaky. Uh, Randy yes. Freaky is the author of the book America's New Revolution. But I, that's not the only reason I wanted to have Randy here. Randy is somebody that is politically engaged. And for anybody who follows my sites, know that I believe 
in a particular phrase that says political involvement should be a requirement for citizenship. And the reason I say that is because a lot of what's happening in our society today is because too many of us refuse to be politically engaged irrespective of the whether you're on the right left middle top bottom or whatever and uh, when i heard from randy I, I i was impressed and then he said he wrote a book said that's even better anyway randy welcome to politics done right thank you very much glad to be here well look tell me a little first of all tell me in in, in a couple minutes a little bit about yourself Okay, well, I've been involved in Colorado politics for many years. Uh, in 2004, I ran for Congress from Colorado's third district as a Democrat at that time. And then shortly after that, after um, I left the uh, Democratic Party in 2010 and then became a uh, very proactive independent voter, independent uh, voter activist. And so um, which kind of brings me to uh, this point now, where I um, I've now offered uh, authored a couple books. Uh, of course, America's New Revolution is the latest one right now. So, um, yes, I've been very active uh, in politics. Uh, you know, at the state level here in Colorado, as well as nationally. So, now, I understand. Uh, Let me interrupt for one quick second, because there's something that I think you, you let slip by when you spoke to me. And I think you said that, hey, I was talking about that in that way of voting before it became Vogue. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, OK, I think what um, I think the important thing here that I'm trying to probably emphasize in, is an independent voter as far as. Um, one of the organizers of the movement. Um, I call it a movement because um, millions of independent voters have been disenfranchised considerably over the last few years. And so I became more engaged politically as an independent uh, in um, trying to get uh, recognition for independence. Now, in what way... In what way would you say that independent voters are disenfranchised? Well, I got two numbers for you. Mm -hmm. 2016 mm -hmm. uh, presidential election. In that, uh, in those in those primary elections, 26 million independents were denied voting. Also, similar in 2020, just now this 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 year, um, relatively close to that same number were denied access because. A lot of the Democratic uh, and Republican parties are closed primaries. Independents cannot vote unless they, they register to vote that one party or the other. So that's that's what we're trying to overcome in this movement. Now, do you consider that um, if you want to vote for a Democrat, then why not just register as a Democrat to vote for them? And if you need to vote for a Republican, vote. Well, I guess it's because you may want to vote in one in one set of races for one side and then another set of races for you. You don't necessarily want to restrict yourself to one side. Well, correct. I think one of the things about Colorado passed legislation re in, a couple of years ago where um, independents can vote in uh, they can choose whether to vote a straight Republican ticket in the primary or a Democratic ticket. Uh, so they open that. I call that a semi. Uh, some people might call it semi-open primary. I call it a semi-closed. 
I, I think but, I more agree with you in that regards because I think you should want to be able to choose uh, maybe in the attorney general, you have more interest in, in what the Republicans have to offer. And then maybe in the uh, in, in for a representative, you may have more interest in what the Democrats have to offer. So, yeah, I, I see your point. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things and then to go, actually, I want to move. Um, basically, one of the things that we campaign for as independents right now in this movement is that we want to go to a totally um, nonpartisan open primary system mm-hmm. in every state or even nationally. So, um, and I have just proposed, and this is in my book, um, in the last chapter there, where I, I am proposing that we go to, that we have uh, a national independent voter presidential primary. So we have our own, where we can get our own candidates in front of the American people. And so there's, so we're not trapped into that, uh, what I call the uh, party voter prison, right. the Democrats and Republicans. So we're trying to escape that. And, and I feel uh, that if we can establish independent primary, this is going to be, uh, obviously, it's going to make waves with the two parties. But that's the idea. That's what we want to happen. We but don't, won't you then it. consider, uh, uh, to be honest, Randy, if you if you do things that way, wouldn't the, uh, rep, the independent just become an independent party, a party called the independent party, just like you have a Democratic Party, you could call it whatever you want? I understand. I get that question a lot. That's pretty normal. You know, I, we're trying to avoid the party label. Because there's, we have such a broad spectrum of, of political interests in the independent voters. I mean, we're all over the spectrum, mm-hmm. left, right, middle, whatever. So, uh, so we don't want to narrow our focus into a party per se. We would prefer to stay a strong movement and develop the nonpartisan primary system and then advance as well into the independent uh primary system oh, so that's that's kind of what this is what i do this is what i'm really uh excited about and and making moves towards that goal in 2022 and 2024 okay let's let's go ahead and talk some about your book because i find it i, I find your table of content is quite interesting and i actually i i i, I like it um uh what's the Thank state you. of our union yeah the state of our union yeah it's not good um, and the problem is the two-party systems have have uh, come to this gridlock that we've come to be familiar with over and over. So we've got to get out of that gridlock. We've got to get um, independents, third-party people more into the uh, national political scene. Uh, so we've got to get the, the Democrats and Republicans, we got to get out of that trap, get out of that prison system that they've got all Americans trapped in and, and move away from their system, which is obviously not very good it's now. Bipolar. You know, I, I, I kind of have a feeling that this is one time where if you had more protagonists, meaning if there were more than two parties, uh, we would know that you have to make a deal to get things done when you just have two parties it's yes or no and uh 
it creates a problem that way. So, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think that's pretty much it as well. Now, the state of Trump, why did you create a, a whole chapter called the state of Trump? Well, that's, I mean, it's kind of amusing, actually, but um, obviously I don't recognize Trump as a president um, because uh, he's number one, he's not qualified to be president mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, he, basically his presidency just created so much chaos that, you know, uh, you know, this is part of the problem with America is that you know, he took over basically the Republican Party, mm -hmm. and it's not Republicans anymore, really. It's, it's Trump's. It's yeah. Trump's party. It's the party yeah. of Trump. And so um, his thing is to create chaos in America so he can do whatever he wants. Now, so, the man uh, got 74 million people, Randy. Uh, tell me something. Uh, are those 74 million people Trump people or are those 74 million people uh, just a small fraction really, really are just Republicans that have to vote Republican in their minds? Well, I think that part of that's true. I think part of them have to vote. You know, they must vote Republican because they have to, especially the uh, establishment Republicans. Um, I mean, I have to give them credit. They really got out the vote. But um, but you see, we're just dealing with those same two parties, right? Uh, antagonizing each other, and uh, now keep in mind that the the votes were high. You know, Biden and, and uh, Trump got a tremendous amount of votes, but there's still a large segment of voters, registered voters in America, still that didn't, didn't vote. vote. Yeah. There's about a hundred. I mean, we're talking millions of right. Americans did not vote in this election. Yeah, I think at least 75 million. We could have gotten at least 75 million more votes or so. Okay, Wall Street right. and the wealthy, or rather the establishment economy. I think, I don't know how comes you had those two chapters separate. The establishment economy and Wall Street and wealthy economy. It seems to me like those two should be merged together. They were before. Okay. <laughs> so I, I separated them just to, to focus, uh, have focus on, on both of them. But... Um, um, yeah, I think, you know, our economy is, you know, it's structured, it's uh, the wealthy 1% basically own our economy. And there's, there's no trickle down. We have to fix that. And when you've got Wall Street, um, the two parties um, working for Wall Street, basically right now, um, the 99% or Main Street Americans don't have a chance economically in this system. So we've well, got to change it around somehow. No, I like that you have that you actually have a, an education in America. And I think that that is something that people don't quite understand. And I think we discussed that a bit on our in our in our um, show today, where we actually said that um, our education, one of the problems that we have is that we've dummified America. So we no longer think about how things work anymore. And because we don't, these guys can, I mean, the only reason we have Trumpists versus people on the left, even as they really support a lot of the same things, is because there are two different narratives that are done by on, on purpose to keep people separated. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I agree with what you said there, because it's um, American people basically need to find different uh, I call it, uh, as far as the economy goes, um, 
I like to look at it as creating, we need to have innovation in banking for Main Street Americans. We need to have innovation in jobs. Um, and this is where, um, you know, what I call a new deal needs to be established for Main Street Americans, not the 1%. This new deal should only be for the 99% for Main Street, Main Street Americans who's struggling today. So I, we, we have to um, develop a second level economy, if you will, where um, Main Street Americans can borrow money uh, easily, where they can you know, build a house, own a home, home ownership, you know, uh, so the so this this is part of the transition I believe in is to uh, overcome inequality. We need to start there and uh, start working on different levels of economy for Main Street American people and not the wealthy one percent. So we have well, to develop I a new economic system to support the ninety nine percent. I'm very glad that you actually said new economic system because the reality is our economic system. Um, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of good economists out there that believe in things like collectives and and these other forms of uh, having more employees involved in you know stakeholders in the businesses that they work. Right now, they're stakeholders, but they're treated just like uh, you know. Uh, I just call it slaves. I think most yeah. corporations treat their employees like slaves, but it, it, even as they keep it in a sort of an antiseptic fashion, this is one of my phrases I use that's pissed some people off, but I really think that, that, that until we take more control of our own jobs, our own security, which we are the ones who do, um, exactly what you talk about is what we get, 99% of the people fighting for just a small percentage of the capital. Now, um, what, in, as, as an economy, how would you envision a transition to a different economy and what would that look like? Well, I was going to bring this up. Um, I one of the new concepts that I came up with um, is, um, is called an economic mm. So what if we establish an economic union for the 99%? So that becomes, that can become their own economic system where you have, uh, mm-hmm. You have, um, you know, education can be uh, free or at least uh, the cost reduced substantially. And these are some of the things I point out in my book. Yeah, I see the uh, chapters, including the Bernie Sanders chapters that, that I imagine discuss a lot of that. Yes, right. And then, um, so, you know, all of this, um, it, the other thing is there's other, one of the other things I came up with um, I mean, our government wastes so many billions and trillions of dollars that we never see, and it never trickles down. Uh, and I, I developed a new uh, a system called quantitative sharing. I'm hearing that. What is quantitative sharing? I mean, so, it yeah, almost so like quantitative qu easing. Yes, right. Instead of quantitative easing that comes from, uh, you know, our, our uh, federal banking system, yeah. Wall Street. And uh, where they get their free handouts from, from uh, the Federal Reserve System. Right. So anyway, so uh, this is one of the concepts I want to develop. Where, you know, uh, um, so much, uh, you know, where do all the government fines go? 
we don't know where those that those trillions and millions of dollars go. You know, they find Wall Street, you know, millions and millions of dollars a few years ago. Where did that money go? And Back I tried to treasury. track them yeah. that I can't find it. Right. So so there needs to be a, a fund or a system called quantitative sharing that um, where American people like Wall Street that cheated so many of us back in the, the uh, 2008 uh, depression, they call it depression. It was. Depression. And so that money needs to be shared with the American people. It doesn't go to the military. It shouldn't be going there. It should be going into uh, maybe a dividend, if you will, uh, to the American people. So, uh, you know, we're the ones that got cheated. And usually, I mean, this, this system is set up that way. But so that's just one concept that can be plugged into a new economic system of the 99%. So that's just one idea. Now, it's interesting because um, a, a lot of things that you hear people like yourself talk about, especially folks who've written books that actually, and the reason why I say uh, written books is one of the things that you have to do when you write a book is sit down and analyze something because, you know, when somebody's reading through the book, they're going to want to make sure that you're not just writing stuff off the, you know, that you understand the concepts that you're going through. And I think uh, those of us who write similar books, we always end up at the same place. And that is the economic system is rigged. And not only is the economic system rigged is to unrig the system require a massive change in the way it operates and i think uh, that scares a lot of people and until we find a way and you can tell me if you agree with that but until we find a way to express a a a a smooth transition where people won't starve or people won't lose their homes or people won't lose their cars until we can establish that transition that says look the average person is going to do just fine. We don't look, we don't want that that wealthy person to really feel a hell of a lot of pain, but we just want to let him know or let them know one thing, and that is that the pilfering is over. Yes, right, right. No, I agree. And I I start out the book by saying how that the, our our economic system is rigged, along with the political system is rigged. So um, yeah, so it's it's uh, the economic system is rigged against you know the average American. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have a chance to survive in the capitalist economy the way it's structured. Well, and, uh, I don't know. I, I haven't read your chapter on, on um, you know, on where it comes to the economy per se, but I, I think that I can prove mathematically that the capitalist system is unsustainable. I mean, mathematically yes. speaking, right. it's not sustainable and until we come to that realization and put it in a form that people can understand that it's a house of cards that has to cave periodically and you know people like richard wolf the economist talk about that a whole lot you it 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 has to go through that transition where it collapse so that there's something to build again despite design yes very good and i totally agree with that and it's um you know where does it all end you know, for the capitalist system, um, you know, Wall Street and uh, the Federal Reserve and members of Congress who are owned by the major corporation, right. you know, set this up for us. And so we have to figure out a way to get out of this 
system and, and be successful on our own financially. And, and that's one of the things that motivates me to, you know, to dive into this uh, dialogue about the economy and, and, you know, create a new deal just for us, the 99%. Right. And we need to get there in a hurry. Because the and I'm glad that you just said that. You just said something that's very important, Randy. You just said we have to get there in a hurry. And here's what I'm, uh, why, why I love that. Because as it turns out, right, we say capitalism is not sustainable. Unfortunately, it is sustainable within the next few decades or the next few, maybe 100 years or so, because there's so much more that can be exploited. There's so much more left to exploit. Yeah, right now, Americans are feeling the, the pain of, exploitation right we have there's a point that we exploited everybody else and we were getting the spoils from that exploitation they ran out of those people close by to exploit so we can exploit now that china has a growing uh, a growing middle class and india has a growing middle class and all the there are a lot more of them than there are of us here in america so there's a whole lot more bodies to exploit before it all comes down Right. No, that's that's an excellent example. Um, and I think one of the things that is coming, as, as you well know, you know, the climate change is going to change a lot of this. Mm-hmm. It's going to change our, it needs to change, our economic system needs to change, uh, adapt to a climate change. And of course, our national leaders are not real excited about the new Green Deal. You know, they're, they're really uh, um, working against that in Congress. Um, it gets a lot of lip service, but we need to see some real action on that. And, and um, I don't know whether we're going to get that with uh, uh, President-elect Biden or not. No, I, I'm no. not seeing that yet. I'm not seeing it. because this, this is one of my specialties is environment and renewable energy. Uh, so these are one of my areas of expertise more than probably the economic system. But these are two, my two areas I like to focus on probably the most because um, I, I like Bernie Sanders. You know, he wrote his own new Green Deal and then um, very much coincides with, with the uh, um, Senator Markley and what uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, Cortez, what they endorsed. Uh, so uh, I think... You know, the progressives um, and the democratic socialists and, and all the, the progressive uh, people in the left need to really push hard right now. Uh, it's going to take a lot of hard work to get uh, President-elect Biden. I think we might have a chance with Vice President Harris. Uh, she's, you know, warmed up to the New Green Deal early on. So uh, uh, hopefully we can, you know, get her ear and, and really work with her on pushing the New Green Deal. So this is, this is, this, uh, the New Green Deal needs to kick in as soon, soon. as possible. Because that's well, our new economy, right? There. Yeah. Now, now let, me, let me just tell you, Randy, because we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon. But okay. I, what I want to say is that um, I think, um, uh, you know, what you said, it's, it, it's, it's absolutely right, right? Um, we have, but the thing about it is that what we have to do is the left has to coalesce, first of all, and, you know, not yeah. be as 
the kind of left that we've been for so long, which is if you don't do it my way, I go form another group and we go ahead and we form another group and we form a, we have to coalesce, how, however many groups we have, in my humble opinion, we have to coalesce into something that is, uh, that has the same focus and, and maybe focus on two and three things. I don't know what you think about this, focus on two and three things. We can, we can be disparate all over the place, but focus on two or three things and right. force that through. And then, you know, we can be as left as we want after that. Well, no, very good. No, that's an excellent point. The nature of politics calls on us for, to, for us to do that. And so uh, we need to coalesce and, and form the collaboration among many people uh, to make this happen. So we have a lot of work to do. So um, well, look, I hope we can get there. We got to get out of here, but let me just say one thing. First of all, thank you for being on Politics and Right, first of all. Secondly, uh, one of the reasons for this platform is to make sure that all of us in the progressive space have, uh, we can get our, our vision out there and not only get our vision out there, but allow, you know, I'm going to make sure that your book is placed on our platform as well, because I think what's important, right, is on the right, you find that they are very supportive in in getting people to, to do the same things. I think that is something we can learn from that side and ensure that we have a, a more symbiotic relationship with all of those in the left, irrespective of how left you are or, or that sort of thing, so that we can go into one place. So it was my honor to have you on the program. Thank you very much for writing your book. When we process your video, your book will be on the screen too, and we'll encourage people to go ahead and get your book. It's always good to hear all different opinions that we can coalesce onto something great. Well, thank you very much. It's been an honor on this end too. Thank you. All right, folks, I hope you guys enjoyed, um, enjoyed, I mean, I, I, Randy, when Randy contacted me and said, hey, this, this stuff, I wanted to talk to him because just looking at the title of his book and stuff, stuff that I wanted to see. Anyhow, I want to answer Eric, but I want to go to uh, my brother, um, um, Norman Reynolds, because Norman says something very, very important that everybody needs to hear. Because it is, it, is a, it is a genesis of all production of things that we buy and sell from the corporatocracy. And I'm scrolling down trying to find his darn message. And as you guys know how it goes, as soon as I start scrolling, I lose it. But I want to find Norman's message. Because Norman had a very important message. And then I'm going to go to Eric. Uh, where is Norman's message? Damn it. Come on, Norman. I had it on the screen and then I'll, oh, there we go. Norman said the following, and this is very important, folks. Water value is the same as pollution value. It is the cost of producing it to the delivery point. Pollution is part of all manufactured products and its cost needs to be included in the cost of the product. Uh, I think uh, I agree 100% with what Norman just said. I need to add another piece to that, that Norman left out. Norman didn't put that a part of the price of that product as well is the shareholder value that they get after all costs are put in. All their costs. It's a cost that it's a cost of the bonuses that the executives get. All of that is priced in there. But here's how they steal from you. When you buy a gallon of gas, gasoline, okay? When you buy a gallon of gasoline, 
within that gallon of gasoline, after it is burned, it gives off dioxins and these other chemicals that go into the air, that goes into the lungs. Also, while they are manufacturing that gasoline, actually it's the dioxin is that manufacturer, I believe, they, they're manufacturing that gasoline, all those pollutants for the people that work for the company and the people that live around, that is infecting them and making them sick. The producer of that gasoline is not responsible for the ills that product creates. Because it's not responsible for the ills that product creates, they can sell the gasoline at a reduced price and the pr- and so that you buy a lot of it and the excess value of that price then goes to the shareholder and the bonuses to the executives. And of course, a, a few pennies go to the salaries of people. What's wrong there? Because in effect, that is a transfer of wealth as well. Because the person who gets sick because of the product the oil company creates, have to buy their own insurance or pay for their own hospitalization. And that cost is not within the cost of that gasoline. So that person is making the profit off of that gasoline. You get sick because that is a byproduct of creating the gasoline. Right? And then the same shareholders who own the oil companies also own... The, the, the labs that create the drugs that heal you and the hospitals where you go to get your stuff. It's a cycle that simply moves money upwards to those who have capital. And that's where we say it's a corrupt system. It's a complete system that is destructive on the average American or the average human being. That is what we have to understand. And when we understand those things, we, don't, we, don't, we stop believing the stuff about, oh, you're taxing them too much. No, you need to tax their value so that you can clean up the mess that they made because they have not cleaned it up themselves. It's not something like, oh, you're being bad to them. You are just taking the money from them to clean up the mess they created. And, and these, it's all about narrative and how you speak about things where people can understand it. And the news don't, the regular news don't give you that narrative, right? You can't hear that because they won't allow that to be on regular TV or too often on regular TV. And why? Because suddenly the drugs that you buy for your health care, which was mostly created by Government grants to universities who, when it turned into a product, they sell their, the rights to corporations who keep all the profit and don't want to pay the taxes to give it back to the government. Okay, now here is the important thing. Before I go to the important thing, I need to salute all the people in there, and then I'm going to, to, to Eric. All right, welcome aboard. Deb Denny, Bridge MCP, Tank 28, uh, continuing Eric Hayes, uh, Norman Reynolds, I got bridge already. Uh, Rod- Michael Rodnin, uh, Paul Fleming. Uh, let's see, Nanette Bird Smith. Welcome, Nanette. How you doing, young lady? I I saw a post that you posted earlier, Nanette. I wanted to talk about it, but I gotta let it slide till tomorrow. Remind me about it tomorrow, and then we'll talk about that post that you made. Very important one. Kathleen Lake, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else. And if I if I miss you, it's because I'm scrolling real fast, and we have several hundred today. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Para ver, para ver, para ver. I think I got Norman Reynolds already. I got Paul Fleming. Okay. And like I said, folks, uh, if you notice, we have conservatives, progressives, and everybody in here. And you see, we can have the conversation. That is where we have to be. Linda, Joe, Kissinger, Kensinger, welcome aboard. Uh, and by the way, 
my con- I got over the last two weeks, we had about two or actually it's a, four conservative supporters of politics done right. They became supporters of politics done right. Uh, one of them said I can post their stuff on the website. So I'm going to post their, their name on the website like all of you who are, who are donors on, on the website. So I'm going to do that as well. But here's the deal. Eric, I want to talk to you, Eric. And the reason I want to talk to you, and I only have two minutes to talk to you, Eric. You talk about uh, if we tax the rich, the rich are going to do something else. Let me, let me warn you about the rich. And by the way, I'm not going to be able to talk about the whole subject. Alter- Christine Park, welcome aboard. I'm not going to be able to talk about this, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue this subject tomorrow. So, folks, all of you that are here today, let's continue this subject about capitalism and where the money goes. But I want to give Eric a short answer. Rich people have nowhere to go but America or one of its allies. And the reason why is the only way this system is maintained is through power unmitigated power. And given that we have the biggest army in the world, nobody dare mess with us because our economic system will remain intact because it has a strong defense. So that's number one. The rich people aren't going anywhere. Where the rich people go, we allow them to go. We allow them to go to the Caribbean islands to hide their money. We allow that. If we decide that they can no longer hide their money in the Caribbean, they will not be able to hide their money in the Caribbean. So the fallacy about the rich is going to leave if we start taking things away from them, you have to turn that argument around. They have been ripping us off from day one. It started with the slaves. It started with the indigenous people. It started with the Chinese. And guess what is really the, guess who are the new people that, are, that they're, they're extracting from? They've always done it, but they've done it in a lesser way than they've done to the other people because they could separate other people, right? It's not my white brothers and sisters. My white brothers and sisters are the new slaves. And that is the reason why our movement is going to be so successful. Because now everybody going to see that they really have a stake in it. You see, capitalism depended about uh, on creating gradations of people. You know, you had some people that could say, well, at least I'm not black. You know, at least I am not black. So even though I am not up there with Jeff Bezos, at least I'm not black. I'm not doing these things. And, and for those who think, Egberto, you're bringing race. Do you, does race really belong there? Yes. Race is not a this color thing. Race is a social construct to control. And you see, the reason I can talk about all this stuff freely is I understand that. I understand that race don't mean diddly, right? we all the same. But if I can tell you we're not all the same, and then I can create uh, different structures around that so that we have gradations of people, then I win and I have control over all of you. And that is what's been done. You know, there's, a, there's this woman that goes on TV all the time, and she creates an experiment. All blue-eyed people are, are, are dumb. All brown-eyed people are intelligent. And then she shows that experiment, and she so, shows how people start to act. And it's just an experiment. And she shows how people act based on you using sort of a caste system. But we're out of time. I want to thank you all for being here with me. We're going to continue this discussion if you want to. 
mañana, tomorrow. Because I think this is a healthy discussion for us to have, and I would love for more people to get engaged and maybe to have the phone lines. The phone lines are always open, but to have the phone lines open for people to get in here and talk. And maybe also what we do is we do a Zoom, a big Zoom uh, for all our subscribers to YouTube. But folks, if you're just getting here, please, if you're on YouTube, click that join button and become a subscriber on YouTube. Or and, and that book that you see on screen, please go ahead and get my book. That book is called... Uh, it's worth it. How to talk to your right wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. It's worth it. I promise you. And I have all the books in, that I that I that I wrote there as well. If you want to cut out the middleman, just go to my store, which is politicsandright.com/store. And brother Tank Twenty Eight wants to burn my book. Tank Twenty Eight. I thought you liked me. Come on, Tank Twenty Eight. You are here every day, Tank. <laughs> You want to have a big Zoom, uh, Bridge MCP, we'll do that. Um, anyhow, folks, I, I know you guys can be anywhere. You can be anywhere. So I want to thank you so kindly for being here and spending the time with me. I want to also ask you to please always remember to share these programs because if we are to enlighten everybody and we are to get enlightened together, that is the kind of stuff that we got to do. We got to be our own mouthpiece. We got to be our own spheres of influence to expand these spheres of influence. So thank you so kindly. My name is Egberto Willis, and you know how I get out of this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.